Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is about blushing. You can thank your sympathetic nervous system for that rosy red hue that hits your cheeks when you trip in public or you say something silly on your first date. Whenever you're embarrassed, adrenaline in your body automatically speeds up your breathing and your heart rate and sends more blood than normal to your face, which is why you get that blush. But there's an upside to it. Recent studies that we've come across show that blushing actually helps strengthen your social bonds and increases empathy from others, meaning that people may actually judge your embarrassed response less harshly if they see you blush. So blushing is basically good for you. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD+, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD+, levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. Today, we have an awesome interview with Dr. Mary T. Newport. If you haven't heard of her yet, you will know her name soon. She cured her husband's Alzheimer's disease using coconut oil and ketones, which are basically the fat molecules that your body makes in response to coconut oil, and your body can burn ketones for fuel. After she struggled to find a way to help her ailing husband, Dr. Newport stumbled on evidence that ketones and ketogenic diets, like portions of the Bulletproof diet, could be an effective treatment for degenerative diseases even beyond Alzheimer's. She began testing her hypothesis on her husband and got amazing results almost right away. After some more research, she realized that ketones have a host of other health-improving effects. And if you want to improve your health or become more resilient to disease or just increase your cognitive abilities, you'll definitely want to hear what she has to say on our show today. Dr. Newport did her training at the University of Cincinnati and spends her days practicing with extremely young infants, which is kind of interesting because, as you'll hear in the show, that was the first time she'd heard of MCT oil was for use on babies. Now we're going to have our exclusive interview with Dr. Mary T. Newport about coconut oil and ketones. Dr. Mary T. Newport cured her husband's Alzheimer's disease with coconut oil and ketones. 
After struggling to find a way to help her ailing husband, Dr. Newport stumbled upon evidence ketones and ketogenic diets could be an effective treatment for degenerative diseases. She began testing her hypothesis on her husband and got amazing results. And after some more research, she realized that ketones have a host of other health improving effects. In fact, if you want to improve your health, become more resilient to disease, and increase your cognitive abilities, you'll want to listen to our interview with Dr. Newport, who did her training at the University of Cincinnati. Dr. Newport, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Tell us a little bit. How did you get interested in treating Alzheimer's disease, and how did this affect your husband? Like, I, I think our readers are going to be interested in hearing that. Right, right. Uh, well, as you say, I'm a physician, and um, I'm a neonatologist, so I take care of sick and premature newborns, so this seems like it's way out of my area. But uh, my husband, Steve, has early-onset Alzheimer's disease, and um, he's going to be 62 in, uh, this coming February, but started having symptoms when he was about 51 years old. Um, he was an accountant that worked for my practice and started having problems with uh, making payroll errors and uh, procrastinating on getting tax returns done. And then when he started having trouble, remember if he'd been to the bank and the post office, we knew something serious was going on. And uh, he was also depressed at that time. So initially it was thought that his memory problems might be related to depression. But as time went on, you know, he continued to get worse. And, uh, you know, his accounting skills, even though he was using them every day, he basically gradually lost all of that. And um, around 2004, he was officially diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and started on Aricept at that time. And about a year later, he was started on Namenda. So uh, he'd been on those drugs for quite a long time. And by 2008, he was actually doing very poorly. He had uh, an MRI that showed that there was quite a bit of atrophy of the brain, and specifically in the areas that are consistent with Alzheimer's disease, as well as the rest of the cerebrum, you know, was shrinking. And he was um, uh, losing weight. He had lost about 10 pounds over three weeks. I realized he wasn't uh, able to fix meals for himself when I was working, even though he said he had, and, you know, he thought he had eaten, he hadn't eaten. And so um, things were kind of getting pretty bleak, and I was always on the outlook for clinical trials. And in 2008, in May of 2008, there, were a, there was a new drug that was becoming available, and it was a vaccine. And the whole point of the vaccine was to clear the beta amyloid plaques from the brain. So we uh, set them up for screening at University of South Florida. There's a, um, a center called the Bird Alzheimer Institute there. Um, he had been evaluated there before, and we went for the screening, and he needed, there was a test called the mini mental status exam. It's a 30-point test, and he needed to get a score of at least 16 to qualify for the study, and he qualified in every other respect except that he got only a 12 out of 30 points and needed 16 to qualify for the study, so we were very, very disappointed, um, but we were told to come back a couple weeks later and try again, and in the meantime, there was another drug study that became available, and it was an oral medication instead of an IV medication to help remove also uh, beta amyloid plaque from the brain. So I set them up for screenings two days in a row for these two drugs, and the uh, thing that happened was the night before uh, the first screening, I started thinking, what if he gets accepted into both studies? You can only be in one and we're going to have to choose. So I decided to get on the Internet and look up the risks and benefits, just learn as much as I could about these two drugs. And I happened upon a press release for a third treatment. It didn't say what it was. It was called AC1202. And it said that in their studies that improved the memory of half the people who took this treatment. And I thought that was very interesting because none of the other Alzheimer's drugs make that claim. You never hear that with Alzheimer's medications. So uh, I got on the Internet again and tried to find out what I could about AC1202 and happened upon their patent application. And it was a very lengthy application. And I learned a lot about Alzheimer's while I was reading this. Uh, one particular aspect, um, well, people are familiar with plaques and tangles that know about Alzheimer's, but another really important feature of Alzheimer's is that the 
brain develops insulin deficiency and insulin resistance. So effectively, the brain becomes diabetic. And it's even been uh, called type 3 diabetes or diabetes of the brain. And this was first published around 2005. So it's relatively new information in 2008. Um, and I hadn't heard too much about it before. So then the whole point of AC1202 was to address this problem of uh, diabetes of the brain. And what happens is that when you have diabetes, the, there's a problem with the insulin receptors, and cells require insulin to get glucose into the cell. And if you don't have enough insulin, then you're going to have trouble getting glucose into the cells. And basically, glucose or sugar is the primary fuel for the brain and the other organs of the body uh, most of the time, unless you're starving or on a ketogenic diet. And back in uh, the 1960s, they discovered that the brain can use ketones, as Dr. George Cahill and his uh, lab up in the Northeast um, learned that the brain can use ketones as an alternative fuel, and that's what happens when we're starving, that we switch over to using ketones after we use up our stores of glucose, and that ketones can fuel uh, our brain and other cells of um, other organs of our body. So... um, Then, also in the late 1960s, it was discovered that if you uh, consume oils that contain contain medium-chain triglycerides, or if you consume medium-chain triglyceride oil, which is also called MCT oil, that your liver will convert this to ketones, and that these are taken up very quickly by the brain and can be used by the brain uh, for fuel. so the people that um, were developing AC1202 were basically studying MCT oil. And what they found was that uh, when people with Alzheimer's or mild cognitive impairment were given AC1202 or MCT oil, that, in fact, even just with the first dose, almost half the people had an improvement in their cognitive scores or cognitive testing. So... Um, and then they did a longer study with 152 people, you know, showing that over a period of 45 days and 90 days and even six months that people improved or at least stabilized, and it was nearly half of the people that improved. So this was, you know, um, because I am a neonatologist, I was familiar with MCT oil, uh, the reason being that we added it to the um, feedings of premature newborns back in the early 70s and, and um, through the early 80s until they started adding it to infant formulas. And it's actually a component of every infant formula. If you look on, in the ingredients, you'll see that. And then the other thing, well, I was reading through this patent application that I learned that I did not know up to that time is that MCT oil is actually derived from coconut oil. Um, it's extracted from coconut oil. And we all know the coconut oil is out there on the shelf. It's in the health food stores, and now a lot of grocery stores are carrying it. So what, it was about 1 a.m. at this point, you know, when I learned all of this, and his screening was scheduled for 9 a.m., so I didn't have time to run out and buy coconut oil. But we went on down to the screening, and, again, we were disappointed, you know, that he had he scored only 14 this time out of the uh, 16 that he needed, and so he did not qualify for the study. And... The doctor there, she said, well, let's have him draw a clock. It's a very specific test for Alzheimer's. And so he drew a clock. And, well, you can see it on my website. You know, I have pictures of those clocks on there. And I have an article on there that, that um, you could print out, you know, that, that uh, tells about all of this. But basically he drew several little circles, not even one big circle, but several little circles and a few numbers, just kind of randomly. It didn't really look anything like a clock. And the doctor told me that um, he was actually bordering on severe um, Alzheimer's at that point, which was kind of a shock in a way. uh, He was worse than I thought. I was really surprised by how poorly um, he could draw that. So on the way home, I started thinking, what have we got to lose? I'm going to swing by a health food store where I had seen coconut oil and buy some. So I bought that. And then uh, when I got home, I started researching more about coconut oil. I had to remind myself what medium-chain triglycerides, you know, what medium-chain triglycerides were. And I got a composition, fatty acid composition of coconut oil from a government website and figured out which were the medium-chain fatty acids and what percentage of coconut oil 
was medium chain fatty acids, and it was about almost 60%. So looking at the patent application, they had given the people 20 grams of MCT oil as the dosage, and so that equated to about 35 grams or a little over two tablespoons of coconut oil. So the next morning, I pulled out uh, the jar of coconut oil for breakfast, and I made some oatmeal. Coconut oil is kind of solid at room temperature, so it needed something to melt it. And I put that into his oatmeal, and he ate that. And then his his screening was scheduled for two in the afternoon or one o'clock in the afternoon. So we went, we drove down, and I tried to prep him on the way down to remind him what the date and the day of the week and the season and all of that. And he really wasn't remembering any of it on the way down. So I was pretty discouraged. I thought, well, he's probably not going to do any better than he did yesterday. But when we actually got down there, it was about four hours after he'd eaten, and they took him away to another room, and they did the MMSC test, and he came back. He didn't think he had done very well, and a nurse came in then, and she started checking his blood pressure and talking about drawing blood, and I said, wait a minute, what's happening, you know, and and how did he do? And she says, oh, he got an 18 on the, the study, so he actually got two points higher than he needed to get into this clinical trial, and he qualified, you know, uh, in every other respect also. So they were basically going forward with, um, with the rest of the, um, the testing, you know, for the clinical trial. And obviously we were related. And, you know, I didn't know at that point if it was really the coconut oil or if it was just good luck or a lot of prayer or what, you know, but, or all of the above. And um, so I decided to continue it. And um, I got some coconut cookbooks, coconut oil cookbooks, And basically, I started giving him a measured amount for breakfast every day, at least a little over two tablespoons, and then started cooking with it, you know, at other times of the day. And really what we found was almost right away, he was much more alert. He had been very sluggish in the morning, not very talkative. He'd have trouble finding utensils and getting water from the fridge and that kind of thing. Very, very slow. And he would come now, you know, he would come out of the bedroom kind of alert and talkative and joking and could find his utensils and it was just like the light bulb came back on and that's exactly how he described it. He said it was like the light switch came back on the day he started coconut oil. I wanted to share something with you. A way of getting coconut oil or MCT oil in, in the morning. Uh, oatmeal works for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, on the One of the probably the most popular things on, on my blog is called Bulletproof Coffee. And it's a, a low-toxin form of coffee that's blended with MCT oil and grass-fed butter instead of milk or cream. Oh, wow. And so in the morning, I'll do 30 grams of MCT. I'm, I just turned 39, and mm-hmm. um, I used to weigh 300 pounds. I weigh about 200 pounds now uh, mm-hmm. and have for more than a decade. But MCT oil is a major part of it. But it's interesting that it blends well into a hot liquid, and you actually get a foam on it when you do that right uh, with coconut mm-hmm. or with what I prefer is the straight extract. So mm-hmm. you might try that when you say the lights came on. When you have a little caffeine and MCT helps the caffeine get into the brain, uh-huh. it's not a bad morning. Yeah, that actually sounds like a great idea. Um, we kind of abandoned the, co- the uh, oatmeal after about um, a year. Uh, we were actually trying to get to a lower-carb diet, which is right, uh, right. on uh, now for quite some time. And uh, he also got very tired of oatmeal. <laughs> so <laughs> he said, can we do something else with this? And he actually will take it straight sometimes um, because uh, we we started mixing MCT oil and coconut oil. You know, there's a little bit of a story to that too. Do you want to hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk okay. about that. And and if you have any comments along the way about butter or grass-fed butter uh, and MCT or coconut and any of the studies on butter and memory, um, yeah, toss those in too because we talked yeah, about yeah. that a lot on the show. Well, interestingly, butter is about I believe it's about 13% of the fatty acids are medium chain and short chain fatty mm-hmm. acids, and the short chains are also ketogenic. So it, you know, butter is uh, much preferable to margarine <laughs> if you're going oh, yeah. to eat one or the other. So, yeah, butter's actually quite good for you. And I often wonder, you know, I'd love to do, some, you know, some kind of a study to see if people who drink like whole milk and eat butter all their life as opposed to skim milk and margarine, you know, if, if one group is more likely to have uh, developed dementia or not, you know, as they age. Just, just that little thing. Um, I, I think the biochemistry is pretty predictive there, but I'd like to see the study to prove what we think from a biochemistry perspective. Right. I, I know I, I advise people to avoid those things. I have a, sort of an infographic that's like things to eat, things not to eat. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, those are on the don't eat them because there's pretty good evidence you don't want to do that. Right, right. right. Yeah, the hydrogenated oils and the um, margarine are not good for us. <laughs> well, well, so I don't have Alzheimer's uh, and I don't think it's run in my family, although some dementia has happened usually later in life and probably related to blood pressure lowering medications. Mm-hmm. But are there other things that people who don't have Alzheimer's benefits that, that you've seen just in the work you've done with NCTs? Does it make people who are already healthy perform better? Um, I think so. I mean, I'd noticed for myself, uh, well, I have a history of um, Alzheimer's on both sides of my family, but I don't feel like I have memory problems so much, at least not yet. Um, I'm 59 at this point. But, you know, I started eating coconut oil right alongside Steve, you know, when, when we did this. Um, he takes probably about twice as much as I do in a day. But I, I have the equivalent of four or five tablespoons a day, either as coconut oil, coconut milk, grated coconut. You know, we've really gotten into coconut. And then we do eat, um, like we'll drink goat milk if we have milk. That's got some medium chain. Uh, and breast milk, human breast milk has a considerable amount of medium chain fatty acids. And um, at goat milk is fairly equivalent to human breast milk in, in that regard. And the infant formulas have the MCT and they have coconut oil to try to mimic human breast milk. So there's a reason why medium chains are part of our diet, you know, or should be part of our diet. But, you know, I, I noticed that, you know, I, I felt like I was able to read a lot more, to stay on task better and retain information better, you know, since I started uh, using coconut oil. And, you know, I would just remember having just every now and then a little subtle memory issue. Um, then I thought, oh, maybe it's because of my age, you know, but I don't feel that anymore. Thanks for saying that. I, I love hearing that. I've had exactly the same experience. And mm-hmm. the, the whole point of the Bulletproof Executive is how to be more resilient, how to perform better. Mm-hmm. And I, I recently gave a talk about how I hacked myself to, to deal with information overload. And one of the things I mentioned was MCT oil. So um, hearing you as, you know, as a medical professional saying that you noticed that effect too, mm-hmm. it, it's really cool. I, I'm really happy that you're, you just mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my sister, uh, one of my sisters, um, she's had this, a similar response. And she noticed, like if she would go on vacation and not bring any with her for four or five, six days, when she came home, she thought, oh, do I really need this or not? And then she would start taking it again. And then she'd would she realize, oh, yes, <laughs> I do much better. I can focus better. You know, I can write better, think better, you know, when I'm taking this. And um, she noticed a difference when she restarted it again. That was pretty interesting. And um, she has a daughter that's, um, she's in her 20s, and she's a teacher, and she feels that her she can get through her lesson plans, you know, getting all that and focusing on that much better, too. And she's young. <laughs> so, I, I feel um, like... Like I, I travel internationally quite a lot, and mm-hmm. there's something that I will not travel without, if at all possible. I, I put a couple ounces of MCT oil in my little little baggie you can carry through the X-ray machine at the airport, yeah, uh, like in a little shampoo bottle. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I, I do. Know. That's what we do when we travel. We you keep, do it too. Okay. Yep, yep. When we um, actually, I got to give a talk about this um, at the Alzheimer's Disease International Conference in Greece about uh, a year and a half ago. And we brought Steve and our, our younger daughter, who's she's now 25, uh, she came with us. And so I was really nervous because you know, we were going to be gone for 10 days. And I thought, what if I can't get coconut oil or MCT oil in Greece? So I packed, you know, uh, put it into my suitcase and brought a lot of little bottles that I had made of the mixture of MCT and coconut oil. You know, I brought enough to get us through the whole trip. And, but I also had to keep several doses on my person, you know, because of the duration of the airplane trip. And I did put it in the little shampoo bottles. They hold the ones that hold up to three ounces, and I could do a couple doses in each bottle, you know, for Steve. And that worked really well. You know, I just, I put a little, little stickers on it, you know, that said it was uh, MCT oil for Alzheimer's. I just wrote on the, um, on the labels. And I put a copy of my article in the bag with it just in case, you know, they wanted to know what it was. And we didn't have a problem with it, which was great. Oh, excellent. So, so you're, you're having exactly the same experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot, a lot of the readers are, are people who read the blog or people who listen to the podcast. 
mm-hmm. oftentimes are sort of saying the same thing. Like, I really don't want to go without it because once I get used to feeling like this, I, I really like it. Right. And I, I'm, I'm hearing this from college students. I'm hearing this from, you know, mothers who have young children. And, of course, for them, getting more MCTs means better breast milk. Like, it's so important. Right. Uh, but they're also feeling better. Like, their energy comes back faster. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's almost kind of ridiculous that, that medium-chain triglyceride oil has this profound effect. But, mm-hmm. but you've, you've seen it for Alzheimer's. You've seen it for some other things yeah. as well, I, I yeah. think. I have. Um, I've had some people with Parkinson's. There's a man with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and to me that's like the worst. Most of these people maintain normal cognition, but they become weaker and weaker and weaker until finally they can't eat and they can't breathe. I mean, it's a horrible disease. But this man contacted me after he had been using coconut oil for about a year. He watched a YouTube interview that I have, and he started taking, he got himself up to nine tablespoons a day. And he contacted me after a year, and he had actually stabilized over that time. And this is a disease that you do progress over a year. You, you just do get worse. And he had actually increased the muscle mass in his legs. And now he's almost two years out, and he's still stable. He has not gotten worse, and his muscle mass has continued to increase in his legs. He said one of his legs felt like it was dead to him, and the life came back in it. He, you know, he could feel that leg again after several months. And, you know, to me, and his doctors decided, they said, well, you can't have ALS. <laughs> they told him, you know, you just, you can't have ALS because you would be getting worse. And, um, and I had another lady, same thing, you know, where she was in an earlier stage of ALS, but she stabilized also. And her doctor told her, well, then we've got the wrong diagnosis. Um, <laughs> not that maybe what you're doing there might actually be working, you know. So I've had several people lately with ALS now contact me, and I refer them to him because of his experience with it, that he can, they can, uh, he's trying to do a little social clinical trial kind of thing with it. And, you know, so it's very, uh, it, it's interesting. Um, I've had um, a lady with glaucoma, and you think, well, how, how could that be related? But, you know, the eyes are an extension of the brain, and neurons are involved in, in uh, diseases like glaucoma and macular degeneration and and this lady who has glaucoma she said that she took uh, mct oil and she happened to be sitting at her computer and she thought that the that the screen was shades of gray she thought that was the normal (laughs) screen and the screen became pink she started seeing color on the screen and it was news to her that it was even in color you know and she thought, well, that's rather odd, you know. So she repeated this experiment, you know, several days in a row. And every time she'd take the MCT oil, about a half hour, 45 minutes later, her screen would come in in color. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty interesting. And um, she's kept Please. in touch with me, too. And about a year and a half now, her glaucoma's been stable. She hasn't gotten worse. Um, the effect is, is noticeable within a half hour. Yeah, it is. It is. It's mm-hmm. very quick, you know, that the brain takes up the, um, I mean, that the liver converts it to MCT and the brain takes it up. And the other thing, too, is in addition to the ketones, the medium-chain fatty acids themselves can act as a fuel. And they know uh, for certain, you know, there, there, there are studies showing that it's taken up by muscle and that it's oxidized in the mitochondria of muscle and used directly as a fuel. And it does cross the blood-brain barrier. So studies haven't been done yet to absolutely prove that it's taken up by brain mitochondria, but it might also be another alternative fuel for the brain, just the medium-chain fatty acids. So that could explain why even with relatively low levels of ketones, you know, that you're having this kind of an effect, that the medium chains are also acting as a fuel. So, Dr. Newport, we've talked a little bit about Alzheimer's and Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm-hmm. Are there any other neurological conditions or diseases in general that can be treated with ketones or ketogenic dieting or MCT oil supplementation? Yeah, I've heard from people uh, with Parkinson's disease, MS, and, you know, it's just a handful of people, you know, from each. But, you know, I think part of the problem is just getting it out there, you know, to the right people. I, You know, my husband had Alzheimer's and that's, you know, he responded. And so that was basically people that I was target, targeting right away. But you know, as, as various people with different conditions have tried this, you know, they've seen some benefit. Let's see, Huntington's Korea. I've heard from a couple of people um, that were in early stages of Huntington's that uh, feel that they've stabilized, that some of their symptoms improved. And the thing that's, in, that's common to all of these diseases is that there's some part of the brain or a nervous system that has trouble with um, taking up glucose into cells. 
you know, so if they do PET scans, glucose PET scans, they will find uh, certain areas of the brain or spinal cord, you know, that uh, don't take up uh, glucose normally. And these are people that might benefit, you know, by um, having ketones available as a source of energy. Theoretically, Duchenne muscular dystrophy might respond to this, but um, I have not heard anybody with that yet. Um, Autism, some forms of autism. I have heard from um, about some children that seem to respond. And then Down syndrome, all of the people with Down syndrome will develop Alzheimer's when they get in the middle age. You know, uh, they have an extra chromosome. The extra chromosome that they have has some of the genes that are involved with Alzheimer's, and so they develop it prematurely, and they, they basically all will develop Alzheimer's if they live into, you know, their 30s and 40s. Um, acute brain injury, the brain basically has difficulty using glucose for a period of time after an acute brain injury, but could use ketones, and so that could be benefited. And then, of course, um, type 1 and type 2 diabetes, um, all of the cells except the liver can use ketones. So, you know, as the organs become insulin resistant, you know, people develop problems with um, blindness, blindness, retinopathy of, of diabetes, and nephropathy, just the kidney, uh, kidney damage, you know, from diabetes. Those two things are very common. There was actually a paper showing in mice that had diabetic nephropathy or kidney disease that ketones were able to completely reverse it over a period of six weeks which is very interesting. So other organs besides the brain can benefit, you know, in people that have type 1 or type 2 diabetes from taking medium-chain fatty acids. Now, Dr. Newport, that's an excellent segue since you mentioned that study. Many of the listeners to this podcast and readers of our blog are very critical thinkers and love to look up studies just like we all do about these kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. I was wondering if there are any particular studies that – pop out to you that really just highlight how effective this kind of treatment is or any studies that support what you're talking about uh, that you could name off the top of your head that people could go look up after the interview? Well, on my um, website, I have some hypothesis papers from Dr. Richard Veach and um, Dr. Theodore Van Italy. Um, You can actually print them out. I have the PDFs there. Uh, That's a good place to start. Uh, The one by Dr. Van Italy is a very thorough well-written discussion um, and overview of how this would work and what types of diseases, you know, might respond to this. Uh, My website is uh, www.coconutketones.com. So it's C-O-C-O-N-U-T-K-E-T-O-N-E-S.com. And if you look under scientific articles, you can find a list of some of the articles that cover the basics, and then there are articles by Samuel Henderson, uh, Lauren Constantini. Uh, they're the people that developed AC1202. So there's, there are references on there, and um, I believe I have a, a bibliography. It's, it's uh, over 150 references <laughs> that you can print out, you know, uh, a copy of the references. I don't have all of the PDFs of the papers available, but actually if, if somebody were to email me, if they have a specific reference in mind, I could email back the complete article for most, most of the things that I have in my references there. That is an amazing offer, and thank you for being so willing to share knowledge with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that some of the members of the Smart Life Forum or the Silicon Valley Health Institute may have reached out to you in the past because we've been passing those papers around. Uh, and we'll make sure in our show notes to have links to your site. In fact, mm-hmm. we'll have a transcript of, of this entire session so people can search it and whatnot, and we'll make sure that, that they can find you and that they can find these papers because that's, right, uh, that's right. really important stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I had another question along those lines. Uh, I mentioned uh, some of, the, some of the, the things I do, like I take 30 grams of MCT oil in the morning in, in my coffee and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I recommend different sort of dosing protocols for people um, as a biohacker, which means I work in computer security and I basically hacked my metabolism and a bunch of other things, raised my IQ, and mm-hmm. just changed my performance profile pretty dramatically. Mm-hmm. So the, the uses there are a little different, but like I have a guy who, who I'm coaching who lost 75 pounds in 75 days using MCT oil on, wow. a, on a daily <laughs> basis. Uh, I actually told him maybe going slower would be smart, but that wasn't his goal. <laughs> so, you know, he, he did what he was going to do, and, and it worked out very well. Wow. Um, so, but what's, what's the normal dosing protocol? Let's say someone who's, 
you know, 40 or under who's interested in just feeling better, um, getting a little bit more energy, having their brain work a little bit better, mm-hmm. how much MCT oil would you recommend that they start with and progress to? Right, right. Well, one of the, the main adverse effects of taking MCT oil <laughs> is diarrhea. So if you try to take too much too fast, uh, you can have this rather sudden explosive diarrhea. <laughs> so um, even though my husband tolerated over two tablespoons of coconut oil, a lot of people don't. And so I usually tell people to start with one teaspoon two or three times a day with food. And if they tolerate that, then increase by that amount maybe every couple of days. And, I mean, the other thing you, you want to do is also substitute it for the other fat in the diet because, you know, uh, if you just simply add it to what you're eating, you potentially could gain weight even with MCT oil. I mean, it's used as energy, but the other, you know, if you get uh, too many calories in a day, you know, you can put weight on. But um, so basically as you're adding the MCT, you might want to subtract some other fats from the diet possibly and or reduce carbohydrate intake uh, to kind of compensate for some of the calories. But the thing about the MCT is that it is used right away as energy. It's not stored as fat. And I would say, you know, for somebody who, I, I would say that to maybe try to get up to somewhere between three and five tablespoons a day, you know, somewhere along those lines as MCT oil and or coconut oil. Now, I have sort of two questions that, that arise from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is maybe more of a comment, but uh, I was concerned when I started using MCT about the higher fat. And this is years and years ago. Mm-hmm. But for the last two years, I, I sort of ran a, a self-experiment where I've been eating between 4,000 and 4,500 calories a day, including uh-huh. at, least, <clears throat> at least five tablespoons from all sources of uh-huh. MCTs. Uh, and I've actually gained muscle and stayed lean like with a six-pack wow. without exercise. Yeah, so I, I'm I've, jealous. I've, well, <laughs> I, I remember. Calories. <laughs> well, I have a you know I have a history of obesity. I have stretch uh-huh. marks. You know, I, I was first half of my life I was 300 pounds. Well, uh-huh. not all the first half, but I was overweight the first half. <laughs> mm-hmm. So being being born at 300 pounds is a little expensive. But uh, <laughs> um, what what uh, what it seems like is that there are some other secondary things like mycotoxins. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the toxins that come from molds that are found in the environment and that are found in our food supply. Uh And those mycotoxins are linked to most of the degenerative diseases that you've mentioned in one or another study, uh, as well as to obesity. Uh So have you come across any research in what you're doing with with, uh, coconut oil or MCTs about mycotoxin content of coconut oil? Because I found some brands actually have reasonable amounts of mycotoxins and some manufacturers actually test for it. The MCT mm-hmm. oil that I use is, is pharmaceutical grade, basically. It's very highly purified. But if you're eating like raw coconut oil, is this a concern for you? And have you noticed the difference between brands? Yeah, there's different ways of processing coconut oil. Um, mm-hmm. I have been um, learning more and more about that. But you'll find like refined versus unrefined coconut oils. And there's a process called DME. It's a micro expeller uh, process mm-hmm. that uh, they use basically fresh coconut. They use it immediately and they, they um, you know, extract the coconut oil from it immediately. And that's probably the best method to avoid, you know, getting contaminants, you know, from molds and that type of thing. There are other methods where they actually dry the coconut and it's stored for a while and it's shipped somewhere else. And, you know, in that process, it can acquire mold. And then it's processed. They use uh, chemicals to, to bleach it and, mm-hmm. and process it. So it's probably best to stay away from refined coconut oil and look for micro, let's see, micro expeller, you know, pressed coconut. Uh, DME is um, another name for that process, you know, and, and that way you, you uh, would get fresher, you know, coconut, less likely to have mold attached to it. The MCTs, that's, that's kind of new to me, but I'm always learning new things about this, you know, that I hadn't thought too much about the MCT actually containing mold, but I imagine that that would be possible depending on where they where it's um, taken from. There's also a new source of MCT that's coming from non-coconut, uh, some sort of genetically modified bacterial thing they're I doing. I believe, I believe it's to canola oil as, as a source, huh. and I'm kind of concerned about that, but I haven't actually tried it. I'm not sure that I want to try it. Yeah, you haven't yeah. come across that either? No, I haven't. I mean, they would have to. There's no medium chain in canola oil, so they would have to do something to the fatty acids themselves to uh, 
shorten the length of the fatty acids. Um, in fact, there's there's no food in canola oil, as far as I can tell. There's no right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's it's um, touted as a healthy oil. You know, a lot of people deliberately take coke, uh, canola oil because they've been told that it's a healthy fat, but it's really not. <laughs> not so much. Yeah. It's very I, heavy I, in omega six, and soybean oil is too. And uh, it's not particularly good. You know, um, it's a uh, the polyunsaturated fats. You know, for so many years they were touted as you know reducing your cholesterol and all of this, but they actually pick up uh, free radicals. They have sites on the fatty acid that are available to pick up free you know uh, free radicals that can damage uh, mitochondria, and you know damage the cells. And um, so people can definitely get too much uh, omega-6 fatty acids, you know, particularly if they use canola oil and soybean oil um, and don't get enough omega-3. You know, uh, omega-3, you know, also is a polyunsaturated fatty acid, and it also could pick up free radicals, but we do need a certain amount of omega-3. It's just that, um, you know, we're uh, our diet, on average, the average person in the United States tends to have uh, way too much omega-6 and not enough omega-3, do you think that contributes to degenerative disease, in, including or excluding Alzheimer's and, and oh, some I of the others? I think it could. I think it could. I think there are a lot of things like that in our diet, like hydrogenated fats too, and trans fats can uh, contribute. You know, uh, when they, like for example, if soybean oil is hydrogenated, the polyunsaturated fats in it, like there's a tiny bit of omega three in it, and the omega three is the first to go. You know, hydrogens are added to those fatty acids, and it eliminates. You know, the uh, omega-3 means that that's a site that is not occupied by oxygen, I mean hydrogen. And when you hydrogenate it, those sites are filled in by hydrogen. So you lose the omega-3 right away, you know, from soybean oil when you hydrogenate it, and then you lose um, some of the omega-6 in there as well. But it also creates a molecule that is um, bent in the wrong direction. That's why it's called a trans fat instead of a cis fat. And they just these fats don't fit normally into cell membranes. And the cell membrane is extremely important as far as what gets in and out of the cell. And when you start inserting trans fats into the cell membrane, it makes them stiffer and the cell doesn't live as long. And it affects, you know, what gets in and out of the cell. Um, So, you know, I do think that, that these kinds of fats can contribute to neurodegenerative diseases, you know, over time. And, you know, it's just best to avoid them. I, you know, you don't need to have those in your diet. <laughs> I feel really fortunate that, that I, I just started mentoring a group of, of very high potential uh, young people, people under 20, who mm-hmm. are backed by the, the Peter Thiel Foundation. Um, it's called the 20 Under 20. And uh, I, I just gave a lecture to them as well. And, and I'm sort of thinking, what is the impact going to be if, if even before you're 20, you start cutting the bad oils out of your diet, you add MCT oil, and you go in a lower toxin, you know, a healthier fats kind mm-hmm. of program just for, for the entire duration of your adult life. Mm-hmm. And I, I am suspecting that, that it's going to just make huge differences both in performance for someone in their 20s, but also mm-hmm. just, you know, when they're 60, they're going to be out there competing against 40-year-olds. Like they're going to, to maintain their cognitive and, and their energy mm-hmm. levels. And um, do you sort of see that same effect if you put on your very futurist hat without making medical claims doctors aren't allowed to make? <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I do. You know, I do think that um, yeah, that this could be a, a, a great preventative tool, you know, uh, to prevent diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. There's a study by Cunane, C-U-N-N-A-N-E. He's a Canadian. Uh, well, he's the main author on this study or the first author on this study. But they actually looked at ketones. They did ketone PET scans, you know, which was interesting. Most PET scans scans are using glucose, but this was a ketone PET scan, and they found that um, the amount of energy used by the brain as ketones is directly proportional to what your plasma levels are. And, you know, he um, discusses a little bit about uh, using MCT as a strategy for prevention and that um, by keeping a level of like 0.5 millimoles, which is what you can get after you take a dose of MCT oil, such as the 30 mLs that you were talking about, that you could potentially provide 5 to 10% of the energy to the brain as ketones. And that um, it just so happens that, for example, people that are at risk for Alzheimer's, 
that they have a deficit, an energy deficit in the brain of about 5 to 10%, even in younger adulthood. So by taking MCT oil, you can make up that deficit, you know, by providing ketones to the brain. So, yeah, it's a very interesting paper. Um, again, you know, I've got copies of it on my computer that I can send, you know, if anybody wants a copy of it. That's, that's going to be really interesting uh, mm-hmm. to, to dig into. Um, I certainly uh, want to check that paper out mm-hmm. just for, for my own sort of biohacking principles. Now, now here's, here's one kind of maybe one more final question that's a little bit geeky, but I, I just have to ask it. So there's four lengths of medium chain oils uh, that are sort of considered medium chain. Right. Are some of those lengths better than others in your experience? Well, the shorter that the chain is, the more of it will be converted to ketones. That's kind of just a generality. Um, but then, again, the body, you know, appears to be able to use the medium chains, you know, whatever's left over. As far as other effects, for example, lauric acid, it's a C12. It's a 12-carbon chain, and it's about half of coconut oil, and there's not very much of it in MCT oil, but it's very antimicrobial. It's um, antiviral, shown to actually kill certain viruses in the herpes family and HIV by dissolving the lipid capsule around the virus. It's antifungal. It's active against things like candida. It's antibacterial, and a number of bacteria are killed by it, and antiprotozoal. So of the, of the medium-chain fatty acids, apparently that's the most active antimicrobial, and it's a medium-chain fatty acid. Like when they say breast milk is, you know, anti-infective, you know, for a newborn, they're referring to the lauric acid in the breast milk. So then as you get from the C12, which is lauric acid, to C10, there's still antimicrobial effect, but it's not as strong as with the lauric acid. So that's one of the reasons that I mix the MCT oil and coconut oil um, for Steve. Um, there have been several different microbes that have been implicated as possible causes of Alzheimer's, one of them being herpes simplex virus type 1, and that's the type uh, when you have fever blisters on your mouth. You know, it's caused by a herpes virus uh, type 1 usually. It can be type 2, but it's usually type 1. And people who are a certain uh, genotype, it's these apolipoprotein E's um, who are E4, as my husband is. There are, that's been associated, they have a very strong association of fever blisters with having that, uh, that genetic type. And when you, the nerves, you know, that come out there to the mouth originate deep in the brain and happens to be very close to where Alzheimer's originates, you know, where the problem originates in the brain there. So there's research, uh, there's a group in England and, and several other groups now, you know, that have been studying this, but they've been able to show that in the beta amyloid plaques in the brain, about 90% of these plaques contain the DNA of the herpes simplex virus, you know, which is very interesting. They contain other things too, heavy metals, you know, you read about that, then even chlamydia has been found in these plaques. But uh, they've showed also that if you infect uh, mice with herpes simplex virus, they will develop plaques and tangles, just as Alzheimer's patients have. And so, you know, they feel very strongly that at least for some people, that herpes simplex virus might be the cause of Alzheimer's disease. So then the coconut oil, you know, that's one of the reasons I keep the coconut oil is because it's anti-herpes simplex virus, basically, the lauric acid in it. That seems like a, a good recommendation to use some MCT and some coconut oil. Mm-hmm. The, the reason that I do the same thing is that MCT oil is mostly capric and caprylic, but coconut oil is is roughly 7 and 8% of the, those two substances. Right. So basically the total is 15% of, of the C8 and C10. Mm-hmm. So, so I basically put a hunk of butter, uh, a little hunk of coconut oil, and then a big squirt of MCT oil in my, my morning coffee mm-hmm. to, to blend and get a nice head of foam that looks like a latte and tastes like uh, a religious experience. Yeah, <laughs> it tastes very good. <laughs> and I feel really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, coconut oil, it's just interesting. The thing we found out about it right away was that it seems to enhance the flavors of foods. It's hard to explain. You just have to try it, you know. It is. In, in fact, uh, if you've never tried this, try straight MCT oil, which has very little flavor, uh, on uh-huh. sushi. Sushi that has a little bit of rice in it even. Mm-hmm. It will make sushi the most satisfying, like tasty thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I know people from Japan who, are, you know, who really know their sushi. They've tried this and they, their eyes get big and, and then yeah, they add yeah. MCT to their sushi yeah. when they're 
forever. I, I, um, I put MCT oil on salad, you know. Yeah. And I just put a little bit of other salad dressing, you know, but it's amazing how how much you could just put just put the MCT oil on it and I'd be perfectly happy with it. And, you know, in the past, you know, unless it had salad dressing of some kind on it, I, I wasn't just going to eat a handful of, you know, lettuce or salad, you know. <laughs> but um, totally... MCT oil does really bring out the flavor. It's it's interesting. Well, it, it's, it sounds like you've discovered all of the little things about MCT oil that, that I've stumbled on and a whole bunch of things that I didn't know about it, particularly uh, the things you just mentioned around Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. I'd like to thank you for being on our, on our podcast today. It's been really fascinating, and you are one of the leaders in helping educate people about how healthy MCT can be for them, not just if they have Alzheimer's, but even whether they're prenatal babies or mm-hmm. all the way through uh, to when they're older. And thank you for all the work you've done and all the research and all the energy you've put into helping people learn about the benefits of this. I, I personally appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for making those comments. That concludes our show for today. You can find links to everything we talked about in the show notes at bulletproofexec.com, and we post a full transcript of every one of these shows. So everything you've heard so far is available and searchable as sort of a public service for free on bulletproofexec.com. If you enjoyed our show, you can help us by leaving a positive ranking on iTunes. We run our sister site called UpgradedSelf.com, which has some of the things like MCT oil or collagen or CES machines that we talk about on the show. And if you're thinking of purchasing one of those anyway, we certainly appreciate if you purchase them from us to help us cover the cost of the show. It's a very small business, and we always appreciate your time and attention. Thanks a ton. See you next week. Have you heard about our new Brain Octane Oil? It goes far beyond upgraded MCT or any other coconut product for creating maximum cognitive function. This is about 4% of what's in coconut oil. It's 18 times stronger than coconut oil, and it's what I put in my Bulletproof coffee every single day. I use upgraded coffee beans, Brain Octane Oil. In my case, I can take two tablespoons of it, but a lot of people use much less than that. And I put a couple tablespoons of grass-fed butter in there, blend it, and have an amazing day. If you haven't felt the difference between upgraded MCT and brain octane oil, you owe it to yourself to give it a shot. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.